Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Good morning, it's Mary Stone, and it is a brand new year. It is 2020, which on paper or on the computer looks like a really interesting pattern. Somehow, I see the eyes in it. (laughs) Anyway, welcome, welcome. I have been uh, a little absent since we last chatted. I had a trip to Texas, to uh, the Austin area, which I'll share a little bit about. But I just wanted to welcome you to a new year. I'm speaking to you from the screen porch where it is somewhat chilly, but not terribly so. And uh, I am hearing the water of the racing brook in the background. I'm not sure you are. Maybe I'm not close enough to it. We just got back from a road walk with Miss Ellie. The other we is my dear Kurt, who has been getting back into the groove after an unexpected hospital stay just before Christmas. It was pretty scary, and I am grateful to say that he is healing and that he was actually home for Christmas, so I am uh, very thankful for that. We should never take our health for granted, that is for sure. So let's get on with our chat. So one of the things about a new year, it brings these new year resolutions, which I have to admit I am not a huge fan of. I'm not sure why really, other than it seems to me the things that we hear about in the news and media that go from year to year are kind of repetitive, kind of a pattern. And actually I wrote a column about it called Clearing Space. This was written two Januaries ago Hello, fellow readers. A new year often brings resolutions like exercising, getting organized, or quitting habits like smoking or stacking up garden magazines. Busted! (laughs) I spent an afternoon in the basement tending to the long overdue task of clearing things out. Basements are limbo for things too good to toss. You may need them again or want them. Some things like tax returns must be saved for seven years. The thing is, unless you think to toss them, they stack up. Savvy savers toss one each year when adding the next year's tax return. Makes sense. It's a matter of having a system, a routine. And one of my routines is subscribing to horticultural and home and garden magazines for plant and design ideas. More than I can keep up with, especially during my busy season of spring through fall, magazines stack up in a very organized pile, I might add, right near the Stairmaster. A perfect time to browse a magazine is while sweating it out on an exercise machine. The thing is, since Miss Ellie came into my life as an anxiety-ridden rescue, street walking became my exercise routine to calm her. It's tough to read a magazine while walking. A little side note here, that's one of the reasons podcasts are so terrific, aren't they? You can take it on the go. Folks claim you can read and browse everything online, including design ideas. I don't know. There's something about words and pictures on the page. It's like the digital photos we never make into prints. What happens if our computers crash and you don't save photos in the cloud? And if you did, what if the cloud crashes? 
Where is that cloud anyway? <laughs> One of my resolutions is to create a photo book each year highlighting family, friends, and beautiful photos of gardens and nature. So here you go. I'm reading this from two years ago, and I have not done that. See, that's why I don't like resolutions, because, you know, it gives you this feeling of not keeping up. And I don't think we need any more of that not good enough button, do we? <laughs> In the clean-out, I uncovered a box filled with dry flowers used to decorate the earlier house. They were carefully wrapped in inkless newsprint and moved to Blairstown 18 years ago. Yikes! 18 years ago, wow. It should be noted, dry flowers don't last forever. All but branches that look dyed are now in the compost pile. There was another box of country decorations, no longer my style, that was easy to put in the giveaway box, other than a chicken made of dried beans on top of a gingham-covered shadow box that I made for my mom when I was a teen. Amazingly, the critters in the basement, I'm speaking of mice, didn't nibble the beans. I considered keeping it, but in the donation box it went. It's easy to pass along things if there's a person or place that can use them. Throwing them out to rot in a landfill seems irresponsible. A little side note, I grabbed a garbage bag before we left for the walk because I can't pick up trash when I'm just walking with Ellie, and since Kurt was joining me, I took the opportunity to pick up all the garbage that people must toss out of their window. I mean, it drives me batty, really, to see how disrespectful people can be throwing things out, just cluttering up our world with trash that could be recycled. And so I ended up doing quite a gathering, and um, as I was making the way by the farmer, that uh, is not far from here. He thanked me and said, anytime you have trash, please leave it here. I can get it recycled where it needs to get recycled. And uh, I appreciate you taking on that role because you're always walking and uh, it's one less thing I have to do. So there you go. Always a good thing to uh, tidy up our beautiful world around us. It's a sad thing though that we have to do it, isn't it? Why aren't people being more careful and courteous? Anyway, back to the garden magazines kept for design ideas. Some date back to 2002. Wow. I flipped through and grabbed only a few tear sheets and bundled up the rest for recycling, making room for the seed catalogs soon to come. Uh-oh. What do they say about teaching old dogs new tricks? Garden dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com at the foot of the column, I have a uh, picture of Ellie and I at a fundraiser for the Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice, where I volunteer, and she is wearing the she is wearing the 5K fundraiser T-shirt, and uh, I have to tell you that uh, she looks kind of not happy about it, but I actually used a T-shirt on her not long ago, during a thunderstorm, because I heard about those thunder shirts. You know, it worked for a little bit, but not terribly long. But the second time I put it on. She wasn't that fussy about the t-shirt. So maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for part two about bottle trees. But before we go on to that, if I could just ask you, please, to subscribe, if you haven't done so already, to our podcast so that it will appear in your podcast feed and uh, we can continue to grow our community of listeners. Thanks so much. So I'm going to share bits of a column written about bottle trees. I wrote this column last January after I returned from Texas. 
a place I just came back from this year, which I will share about as well. I hope you all survive the follow laws and indulgences that can come along with ringing in the new year. I'll admit our recycle bin is overflowing with many trendy colors. We hosted Christmas Eve, so most of the bounty came from shared toasts. Thank you very much. It makes me think of a bottle tree I saw while visiting Festival Hill in Round Top, Texas. It's an artful way to make use of recyclables, though it originates long ago. And I quote the sign which said, One of the oddest superstitions from ancient folklore dates back from the glass blowers in the 9th century Africa. Several African tribes employed glass objects as talismans, magical objects, against evil spirits. It goes on to say, do you ever wonder why bottles moan in the wind? It's fascinating. I had never thought of that, but they do, really. I've heard it many times. Haven't you? So when I returned from the trip, I did some further research and I learned about this whole superstition and that it is believed that evil spirits find their way into inverted glass bottles and become trapped. Then come morning, as the sun beams onto the bottles, the evil spirits will be destroyed. I joked, sounds like a long-ago cure for the evil spirit of a hangover. I then did some further research on the history of bottle trees in the more you know, recent years and learned that um, they initially were popular in the South, basically using crepe myrtle trees that had died. They have such interesting bark, very tawny, tan, and, and very, very cool trees. Um, we can't have those here, although there's some that uh, are hardy in our zones, but they are more like shrubs that die back every year. And now, of course, you can buy sculptures that are, you know, it's kind of like a um, wrought iron sort of stand that you can put inverted bottles on and make your own little decor of garden art. Blue bottles are the desired dominant color as blue is often associated with ghosts and spirits. Blue is also said to encourage healing. Perhaps that's why the manufacturers of Milk of Magnesia had blue bottles in mind. (laughs) And so I wrote, so after you settle your overindulged holiday tummy, your Philips Milk of Magnesia bottle will make a nice looking accent to your tree. At Festival Hill, they also use bottles stuck upside down in the soil as a garden edge, with a cluster of spoons as wind chimes. Some would call it shabby chic, but around here it may look like camouflage of a bad habit. About that New Year's resolution. (laughs) Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com So the column that preceded the bottle tree one was about reflections from Texas. And I'm just going to read one little paragraph here, noting that one of the gifts of holidays is certainly celebrating with loved ones and family. And so I made the trip last year to visit with my college friend who lives outside of Austin and Roundtop. And then from there, I um, visited my friend Elsa. Next stop was the hill country of Laga Vista on Lake Travis to visit Elsa. Her family immigrated from Cuba when she was nine. We met commuting into New York City way back when. Her adopted son in the single digits then. Soon after, we bought a two-family house. Each lived on one floor and became family. How we loved to garden the postage stamp backyard. Folks used to think I was her daughter, though I tower over her in height, but certainly not in spirit. 
She's struggling with her health now, which is hard to see, but a joy to share time together. We laughed over memories and reminisced about our moms now gone. Elsa's mom never learned English, though proud to have become an American citizen and communicated through the love of her actions and her eyes. So this year I did my trip as well, and Elsa, of course, um, was not there. She did pass away in September, but I spent time with her life partner of 30 years, Jean, and uh, also visited with my friend in Round Top, and so it was a special time, I must say, and um, I hope you had the same experience sharing time with friends and family and reflecting on those now on the other side that uh, we continue to love because, you know, love never dies. Here's to a new year. Happiness, joy, and peace. Thanks for listening. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks again for coming by, and please do subscribe to the podcast and share with others so more can join us. Have a great day and have a great new year. It begins today.